0: Welcome to the Two Cent Dad Podcast, where we interview dads to discuss their journeys of intentional fatherhood while doing work they care about and living a life of purpose. I'm your host, Mike Sudik. Dan Martell on the podcast, multiple successful entrepreneur, multiple exits, um, He's he's pretty well known celebrity in the SaaS space, but probably if you're outside of the SaaS space, maybe not so much. I don't mean to crush your ego too much there, but um... <laughs>
1: dude, even the fact <laughs> you use the word celebrity, I'm like, who? <laughs> um, dude, nobody knows me, and 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 that's totally fine, man. I I love uh, the ones that do. I try to add as much value, and uh, every once in a while, I get to make some new friends.
0: Yeah, and so you and you're married with two kids. So how old are your boys? I forget.
1: They're almost six and seven. Okay. Uh, They're Irish twins, eleven months apart, Max and Noah, um, and they are my world. They're the coolest things I've ever created, Uh, and my wife is my best friend. And um, yeah, we live a pretty crazy life. It doesn't stop.
0: Well, if you follow Dan Martell on Instagram, you'll know that his his kids pretty much do everything with him, to going to like CrossFit to. You got, you're like driving race cars or skiing and it's like, and they're the kids. It's crazy. I don't,
1: there's no, there's no limit as long as, as, as mom doesn't jump in, <laughs> they've been to board meetings, they've been, uh, kite boarding, they've been, you know, um, asphalt racing, rally car racing. Um, uh, they've probably been on a hundred flights at this point in their life, <laughs> um, yeah. We do a lot of multiple schools cause we, we travel a lot and we put them in kind of like private schools in different areas. They're like the coolest little dudes. Like yeah.
0: I, uh, I'm really proud of uh, the little men they're becoming. So how did you, I, I think that's awesome. I think, I think just the fact that you do that and the fact that you share that too and, and, and show other, I'm sure a lot of founders follow you on different social channels. So they're seeing that. And I think that's that's a, that's an awesome thing to model. Um, how did you arrive at that? Like, t- you know, I mean, tell me about like your upbringing. I think a lot of people maybe know you from your successes. Um, I was actually checking out danmartel.com and you have the about me and you're like failure one, failure two, failure three. And then you're like, and this is how I succeeded and, and I can help. And so I thought that was kind of cool how you did that. Cause it wasn't all just like pounding your chest right up front. I, yeah, but, I
1: call people do that success theater. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm, that's just not me. I'm a, I'm an open book, and I realized that I'm a product of a ton of incredible people that showed up in my life and have supported me and continue to do so. Um, you know, I guess, you know, Mike, my short story is uh, at 17, I found myself uh, high and drunk driving a stolen car and trying to get away from the police. And I had a gun and a handbag sitting next to me because I said, if uh, the police ever got me, I was just going to pull the gun and, and let them do their job and take my life. And, uh, in that pursuit, I was trying to get away. I ended up smashing into the side of a house, uh, and kept pulling on the handgun and it was got stuck in the bag and, um, you know, kept pulling and pulling and eventually the door doors open and the police grabbed me and kind of my feet didn't even touch the ground and threw me in the back of the cop car. And I woke up sober the next morning in a jail cell, kind of wondering what my life was going to look like. And I ended up, uh, I'd been in jail prior to that point. Uh, I ended up getting sentenced to about a year and a half, total five, six months in out adult facility. Um, tried to, you know, do whatever rehab I could in that program. They had a weird program, but I ended up getting re- released to a rehab center called Portage and ended up spending 11 months in what's normally a six month program just really working on myself about, you know, my feelings, my values, my belief systems, the story I was telling myself, you know, rebuilding the relationship with my, my family and, and a lot of people that I'd hurt up to that point and, and really just learning to love myself and, and kind of uh, having even any level of self-worth. Um, and it, it really, it saved my life. And at the end of that program, I was helping Rick out, one of the maintenance guys, clean out a cabin because it was an old church camp. And I uh, discovered in one of the rooms, there was a 486 computer with this old book on Java programming sitting next to it. And I opened up the book thinking that it was, because it's a Java programming, computer programming. I was just like, wow, this must be like, you know, complicated and I read the first chapter and it it read like English, you know, if this, then that. i was just like tap, 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 light the computer up, command prompt, tapped in the first chapter and dude, I got the computer to say hello world. And I thought I was a genius. <laughs> I literally thought, oh my gosh, I've never touched a computer. I just made this thing talk. It turns out I was totally wrong. But um, I got fascinated with computers. You know, if anything, I have an addictive personality for sure. So I don't play video games, I don't gamble, I don't drink, I don't do drugs <laughs> since then for obvious reasons. But, <laughs> um, you know what ended up happening is computers and programming became you know my addiction and you know entrepreneurship the ultimate personal development program. So shortly after I discovered this this little thing called the internet it turned out to be a big deal, and uh, you know since then I've just been privileged to have, you know built five companies that I've scaled and exited the last three and raised venture capital for the last two and you know along that journey had the privilege to invest in thirty eight tech companies like Intercom and Unbounce and Hootsuite and, you know, and just live a totally different life from the one I grew up with. And it wasn't like this dramatic, like overnight. It was literally just this slow, progressive work, you know, the slight edge, the compound effect, kind of, you know, the 1% better every day approach to life. And it's why and who I am today. So it still shapes a big part of my life. I still, ever since I got out, I every three, four, six months, I go visit Portage, talk to the kids. I run a nonprofit program working with At-Risk Youth. Um, and honestly, for 15 years, I didn't tell a soul about what I went through as a kid. Hmm. So it was only about five years ago that I um, I was asked to speak at a friend's event. And there was a $20,000, $25,000 prize for the best talk. And I knew I wasn't going to win talking about growth hacking. (laughs) So I did a talk about the entrepreneurial journey of, you know, kind of like growth, personal growth. And I started with that story and, you know, Tim Ferriss was in the room, Mark Echo from Echo, you know, clothing and a bunch of guys I respected. And after I got off stage, it was just like the most amazing experience to have them come up and just share with me their their thing right yeah you know and it it is what it is it's like when you when you're open with other people then you give them permission to be open with you and i just thought to myself i i want that with everybody i want that with you mike i want that with everybody listening i want i want people to know me for who i am and then that way we can talk about anything really Mm -hmm. so that's my story man
0: wow no, that's, that's a heck of a story. And I, I heard that like a, a, a few places. I think I had, you know, it's, it's not like you talk about it every single time in all of your talks. So it's like, you know, I'd, I'd heard that. And I'm like, it's usually not appropriate yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, so my question with that is, um, the journey I assume you went on because I have never been on like that, you know, gone, like kind of hit bottom like that before. But I a lot of like entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneur dads, like they're they're grinding, they're, they got a company to run, they feel like they're stretching a million different directions, they're working like tons of hours, and they reach kind of mini breaking points where they're just like, they question everything, they don't know, they, they struggle with self-talk, which is probably what, you know, a lot of the stuff that you went through with the rehab and the, the story you tell yourself. But it's not bad enough where they ever make, maybe make a drastic change, you know what I mean? And I feel like maybe sometimes I get into that cycle. And and you you're kind of then just ebb and flow around somewhat of mediocrity or you never make these kind of fundamental changes that you need to make, and so that being said, what are some things that you know, having gone through that journey, that maybe you see or in talking to founders, in talking to people that have gone like had many valley moments that you know you can speak to saying, hey, I've been to the deepest you know the lowest of low. And these are the fundamental things I had to change and how I talked about myself, how I viewed myself and, and then also, you know, repairing the damage of, you know, other relationships because those are so key. I mean, you talked about your wife and your kids, that they, they are a motivation for you. They are, you know, people that um, support you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, here's what
1: I've learned, Mike, is that there's kind of like different things at different stages, Right. So one of the pivotal moments that really made me lean into, you know, just becoming a better person to be in a relationship with was, you know, when I was 28, I came home one day, and my fiance at the time, so I was engaged, was not my current wife, um, dropped the ring on the table and totally, you know, broke down and said, "I can't do this anymore," and walked out the door, because I was working 100 hours a week, I was traveling 300 days a year or 250 days a year, and all in all. And this is the sad part, all in the name of, of success for her, for our future. And turns out, this is what I learned that she never asked me for any of that. Mm. So I think that's just a big realization that people need to have about, you know, them working hard or trying to kill it or whatever it is. It's like your kids and your wife or your people that you, that love you, never asked you for any of that. That's, that's self-inflicted. That is a bullshit story you tell yourself that just isn't true and so that that was like that was it now i didn't realize that at the moment i had to go on my own journey to figure that out in regards to reading you know like dude i read men are from mars i I read everything i was just Mm -hmm. like okay here was my problem like how am i so because i was i'm really good in business like if i have one skill it's scaling companies really fast okay and it's cool because i can now at this point in my life having you know, currently I coach over 125 of the fastest growing SaaS founders in the world. Um, I did 1300 clarity calls in a two and a half year period. I've spoken all over the world. I've talked with tens of thousands of startups. It's not an exaggeration. It's just a numbers game. Um, what I've, uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. Um, so, oh, so I was saying is I'm really good in business, but how am I so good in business and so stupid and shitty at relationships? <laughs> right? I can't relate like, to that at all. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Like it's not that I'm not intelligent, it's not that I don't understand how to solve problems, but for some reason when it came to that side I was blind. So, I went on a journey man, probably lasted like 3 years of just saying like this question that I've always asked myself in business, which is who do I need to become? So, in business I always thought what's the next level? That's why I say there's levels to this. It's like for me to get to this next level of outcome it's the question of who do I need to become to achieve that, right? Because the person that I am today can't be the person that achieves this because if it was, then I'd be there already. Mm. So the question I was asking myself is, first thing I did was just like map out like who, who would be the perfect person or the perfect person for me. And once I was clear on that, then I asked, I had to be honest with myself, like, well, what kind of person would attract that quality, right? Because mm. that's, that's the thing is like you need to like people – People want to get into, they, they want like, they want, you know, Mark Cuban as a friend. They want Bill Gates as a friend. They want, you know what I mean? They want these people. It's like, you wouldn't even be a friend with yourself. So why would those <laughs> people want to be, you know what I mean? Like there's these like levels I think people don't even reflect on. So, you know, I don't think it's answering your question, Mike. It's just the idea of, um, A, the, the struggle you're going through, the people that love you the most never ask you for it. B the process of being successful if you've ever figured that out can apply to any aspect of your life and um when the student's ready the teacher will appear and i just i just went on that journey and essentially what i've learned personally what works great for me is i apply a lot of the business principles that i do for running great companies um, to my life into my marriage and into my relationship with my kids right so for example and we can dive in wherever you want like I do quarterly board meetings with each of my boys, which me, and this is a book I got uh, an idea I got from uh, the family board meetings by uh, my buddy, Jim. And, uh, so read the book. It takes you literally an hour and 20 minutes. It's just a great structured habit, you know? And so every quarter me and my boys take, you know, half a day and we do what they want. There's a whole structure to what that day looks like. And you turn your phone off and you really just create space for you and your, your child um, because for a lot of kids, especially if you have three kids, it's not often you're alone one-on-one with any one individual kid. So this just creates a good cadence, right? And this is like in my calendar at the beginning of the year and it doesn't move. My yeah. assistant knows like nobody is more important than that day and that, and the kids are now age I've been doing it with them since they were two, you know, they're five and six and they're like, when's our next board meeting? Cause I want to do this and I want to do that. So there's that. We do um, actually every Friday. So today we did a Martell clan meeting, me and my wife. So it's kind of like a weekly sync, a weekly team meeting for us to kind of sync up. Uh, we do a lot of cool stuff in that meeting. But one of them is we score ourselves on four different dimensions uh, out of five. So we get a score out of 20. And the rule is it's kind of like if we don't get a 16 or more, we need to stop and kind of reset of what the way we're approaching our lives.
0: Um, is that inside so the family board cool. meeting too? Sorry, is that inside? Is that practice inside the family board meeting too? Doing that weekly sync? No, that's uh, that's a
1: thirty-minute meeting every week. So the board meeting, the family, the kid quarterly board meeting—that's with the kids. My wife and I do quarterly retreats, which is three to four days disconnected, no cell phones, for her and I to reset. And then we do the family meetings every week. Essentially, it's the same things you would do in your business. So, like annually, when we do our retreat that's planning the next year, right? It's all the big rocks, it's the birthdays, it's the family commitments, it's the per- personal and professional goals we wanna hit. And then the week is really just like a cadence, right? And that score is almost like, uh, you know, if it's business, it's revenue and profit and it's just a score and just saying like, how am I tracking week mm-hmm. over week? We, we have family values that we go over and just ask ourselves how we're doing on those family values, we score that. So we have we have a tracking system for that. Uh, we review our travel schedule so there's never discussions. We review issues that have been put on the, the agenda so throughout the week. And it's just really cool because, like, you ever run out of scenarios where you have, like, something you want to talk to your wife about and you know that, like, there's not going to be a good time and, and bringing it up out of context is probably going to piss them off? That doesn't happen anymore. Like, literally, it's on the discussion. So when we sit down, that's why we're sitting down is to discuss those things. So if I feel, for example, I'm not saying she does this, but let's say she screams at the kids a little too much sometimes, right? Cause she's frustrated. Um, that goes on the list and there's a discussion and it's out of context of the moment because that's probably not the right time to have that conversation. And if she feels like I'm not picking up after myself, she can add it on the list and we have that conversation. So yeah, we do that. We do the quarterly couples retreat um, and it's just a really great way. Cause I think a lot of relationships grow apart because they don't have a heartbeat to kind of reconnect. Yeah. You know, they don't realize how bad they've been behaving or how bad it's gotten to the other person because maybe the person's never told them. But if you know that, you know, you got a six this week and an eight next week and all of a sudden you got a two,
0: yeah, you might go, Oh crap, I don't want that. So that book is family board meeting that that
1: that thing? they don't the family board meeting is just for the kid thing, okay. the quarterly you with know, my kids. The Martel clan meeting is something we made up. Gotcha. No, I think that's
0: yeah, good I think advice. Same thing.
1: Thanks. Yeah. No, we, we just kind of keep adding stuff to our kind of a, we have a, um, a playbook for our family. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. That is really cool. <laughs> yeah. We Literally the playbook's great. Cause like, you know, we, we're, we're blessed, man. We have people that support us in our lives and, you know, a house manager. And, and so like, we just like put everything in there and, you know, when we go to San Diego in the winter months, we have like a process for getting the house ready and finding the schools. And it's just like, Again, I'm just, I'm a systems guy. I'm a programmer. I'm a nerd. So it's like, it just makes sense to me. Yeah. And it just turns out to just make it really easy for us to continue to, to do cool stuff. Like we're both entrepreneurs, right? But we both care deeply about being great parents and great for each other and uh, being extremely healthy and all that fun stuff.
0: So what do you think um, the barriers are to that because to me I can think about that and I can say yes, you look at bad businesses they're not process driven they're sporadic they're reactionary and then you look at a well-run business and they've adopted these same principles. but like you said, not everyone for some reason we don't bring those same things into our marriages and how we raise our kids but some people aren't geared, aren't wired that way and maybe that's the pushback but why do you what do you think is the the reason why people don't embrace those more. Um, and wh- why is there not a sense of intentionality around that in your, in your opinion?
1: I think cause there's this belief that it shouldn't be that hard. It's mm. it's not to be, it's not supposed to be so hard. Why? If I need to schedule a meeting every week to talk about issues with my husband, then there's something wrong with us.
0: And they don't and do that just, in the movies, Dan. They don't do these yeah, things in the movies. Yeah. Like, the should rom-coms. Just
1: yeah. Should just work. I think, I think like, the end of the day, here's what I've learned. It doesn't matter what discipline we're trying to attack. If you want to get better, you got to measure, you have to build habits and you got to stay consistent with those habits. And it doesn't matter what you want to do from, from being a triathlete to running and scaling a company to being in an epic and incredible relationship. And it's just a decision of like, what do they want out of their life? If they want mediocrity, great, keep doing what you're doing. If you wanna see if there's another level, then 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 go there. I think the biggest challenge, especially for the, cause I coach really ambitious, high performing entrepreneurs. Um, they they have a challenge where, and this is probably the biggest challenge for entrepreneurs is where they're growing and their partner isn't, mm. right? Where they're on this personal development train and their partner's not. And in those moments, it's really tough. And I, and I have a friend named Philip McKernan who is an amazing individual that I first met at a couples retreat where he was, he was facilitating and leading it. And he had this whole concept of like, you know, as you climb the mountain, you know, you're going to want to pull your partner with you because you're learning all this cool stuff and you're excited, but they're just not there yet. Right. They, they may not be on that, 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 that train and you're really going to suffocate the relationship if you like try to squeeze them and pull them up. Because at some point, they're going to feel like they're inadequate. They're going to feel like everything they do isn't enough. They're going to feel like you're, you're getting away from them. And what Philip argues that I really took away from that conversation was instead of pulling, why don't you support them? And because in supporting them, you're not, not, you're not reacting, you're creating space, but they at least know that you're there when they're ready. Mm. And I think that that's a beautiful way to think about it because light gets in when we do that. It doesn't get in when we do this, yeah. right? Where we squeeze yeah. our, our hand together. So um, that's probably the number one thing stopping people is just the the pushback from a partner. If somebody's listening, go like, I want to do that, right? Or like people say this to us all the time. like, oh, it must be nice. You do quarterly retreats for four days and go all these beautiful places. And I'm like, if you think it's the location that matters, you're totally missing the point, mm-hmm. Right. If you're, and if you think it's the length of the time, you're missing it as well. It's literally the discipline of saying, one night a quarter, four nights a year, we're gonna turn off our phones in the morning, and we're gonna take time for ourselves, and we're gonna work on things that we think are interesting. We're gonna review stuff, we're gonna read books, we're gonna hang out, we're gonna go for walks in nature, whatever it is, and just be together the way it used to be before the kids showed up, so that, you can at least get back to that place, you know, every once in a while. Mm -hmm. So that, that's the other thing. I just think people throw up a resource uh, constraint issue and it's just not true. Right. We can, you can scale anything back, um, to make it work.
0: Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I think you, you just have to be intentional about it and say, we're going to do that. I mean, we've even found like we do a family night once a week and it's pretty sacred night, you know, and we just say, sometimes we're going to do something really fun Sometimes we're just gonna get a movie and just have the kids pick out their favorite snack, and we're gonna do that. But we're gonna keep that religiously, and if we have to move it, we're not gonna cancel it. You know, and um, we found that to be just extremely powerful. And it's like that's not rocket science, you know. It's it's like no. it's like a, you know what? One thing, Mike, that I've always found fascinating is like
1: I'm not for some reason I'm not a fan of holidays. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the world's rhythm for life. Okay. What I am a fan of is rituals and habits. So, what, so really what I, I'm arguing for more with my family is let's do our version of stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's decide what our heartbeat, our rhythm, our dates are, and let's create our own, right? And let's make that the Martell way, not the because it's been done this way, the world way. But I think that that's a really fascinating kind of mindset thing that I try to work with my boys on. That is, you know, you know, I, I remember reading this story about um, a woman who was baking and she was lo- she was cooking some bread and that when she after she was done cooking it, she cut off the ends of the bread. And somebody asked her, was like, why did you cut off the ends of the bread and throw it away? She said, well, my mom always did that. And then she's like, well, why did your mom do it? She says, I don't know. And that person called up her mom and said, hey, I was just talking to, you know, Julie. And she said she you always did this. Why did you do this?" Said, oh, well, we only did that because we we're. we're in our house the the stove wasn't big enough to fit the whole loaf so we had to cut the ends off so it would fit in the oven Mm -hmm. i just think a lot of stuff like that exists that we have an opportunity to question and to redesign right and to me i love what you just said on that the the ritual because that's your ritual for your family and i think there's there's more right like i'm even thinking about like what's the when the kids turn 13 What's the adventure I bring them on that that kind of signals the transition from, you know, boyhood to manhood? Mm -hmm. And um, is this something that I could kind of perpetuate with their children in the future generations? Right. Because that's kind of how it used to be. Right. And I think that that's been lost. So I don't know. I just have a lot of fun, you know, thinking about how can I be the best
0: father out there? Yeah. Yeah. We did that when it was a 10 year old trip. You took you know, any. I'm one of four, but we have, I have two sisters and a brother. And then we, we just went on it with your dad, like with my dad. And it was like a cool thing. And it was like you went away for like a weekend. Like we visited, we were in Dallas at the time and visited my aunt in Atlanta. You know, and I was like, it was super cool. You know, but like every, I saw everyone, I was the youngest of four. So I saw everyone do it. And it's like, can't wait for my 10 year old trip. You know, like That's this is cool. going to be sweet. You know, but it's just like, it wasn't, like I said, it's not like rocket science. But it was, it was a, it was like a, fa- it was a pseudic thing, you know, it was like, that's just what we did. So like my wife, they never had a 10 year old trip. They had other things, but I'm like, that was such a fundamental thing for me, but that was just something they came up with, I guess. You don't know where they came up with it from, but. Um. Isn't that
1: cool? Like it, it's
0: even like, where'd that come up from? And
1: yeah, I just, I just think that that's, there's an opportunity to change like in that. And you know, back to like my environment growing up, my dad is one of my best friends today. So like. You know, like yes, he he made the best decision. We were four as well. I'm the second oldest, and like the shit I put my parents through is just on another level, right? And um, you know, like I I don't I never was upset about any of that. You know, my mom struggled with alcoholism, but she grew up in a family with two parents who were alcoholics, and she was adopted, so she had a you know she didn't she didn't have any tools. She didn't she didn't even know what the word personal development was. So it's like the end of the day, I feel super blessed, you know, cause I've got a lot of cool beliefs, like no pressure, no diamonds, you know, I'm mm-hmm. my, my challenges are my opportunities today. Like I just believe I'm who I am today and I'm driven because of all the things I went through and I wouldn't, I wouldn't get rid of that for the world, right? I'm a, I'm a awesome dad today because my dad didn't show up maybe the way I thought he should have, mm-hmm. right? I want to create a better future for my kids. I wouldn't take that away.
0: I wouldn't change anything but what does that do for your kids? Are they growing up with, you know, two, I mean, you're too involved and and that's obviously I'm not, you know, like what is, what, are, what is that gonna be like for them? Like obviously it sounds like you guys are taking steps not to do that, but it's like classic story, yeah. you know, rags to riches and then the next generation spoiled cause they're they're all loaded well, and they true. do that stuff.
1: So. so that's entitlement. So here's what I believe. And I heard this from LeBron James of all people. <laughs> I don't want the best for my kids. I want the best from my kids. Mm. And I, I took that to heart because I, you know, it would be hilarious. And I think my wife should do this. Like the kids don't get toys. Like we don't buy them anything. They've had to buy their own stuff since they were young. Like they have an allowance, they make money, they, you know, they do chores. Like it's literally, um, I think the thing what I changed that won't be repeated was the abuse, the verbal and emotional abuse, right? Because I don't drink and I and I don't want to introduce that to to them, right? That uncertainty of how's your parent going to react today, the un, you know the emotional roller coaster that I I grew up with, right? Because that was just a reality in my household, um, and then for a long time I was I was concerned, Mike, of like, you know. I truly believe that chaos shapes us, right? And 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 that sometimes, like, we, we be, you know, obstacle is the way, you know, to quote Ryan Holiday. Like, I think we're not supposed, like, life's not supposed to be easy. And we shouldn't hope that it is. So I was worried that my kids were going to grow up soft, you know? And someday I'm going to have to, like, bring them into the middle of the woods and run away and let them, you know? <laughs> like, I thought that, man. And I, I remember when Max was born, I was like, wow, what's what's the what's what is what environment can i can i create here here's what i learned mike if you actually just let the world interact on your child there is enough chaos in itself so here's what i mean when your kid is old enough to learn how to zip his own jacket and tie his own shoe you will never ever ever do that for them ever again ever and if you do you're taking that away from them if you um pick up their toys if you literally anything my kids i I don't do anything they eat their meal they clean up their plates they put it like like there's a difference between physical ability mental ability Mm -hmm. and then just not doing it so like i just think that you know the world's hard enough we just gotta not Protect our kids from all that world because that's not our job. Our job is not to be their best friend I believe that I'm not I'm not here to be their best friend. Yeah, not not at all I'm here to be an example of what I think it means to be a great human being My definition could be wrong Don't care. All I know is that every day I think about how can I be 1% better so I'm a little bit more intentional than probably most of the population, and I think I've been doing okay. <laughs> you know, so things like I we have this thing around identity. So what does a Martell mean? Okay, this is probably one of the my favorite things to do. So ever since they were little kids, and I got this from my buddy Todd Herman, he wrote a book called The Alter Ego, and so so he just came out best selling all that stuff. But we've been talking about this for a long time, and he's got uh, two little girls, same age as Max and Noah, and then Charlie's uh, a couple years younger, and you know, it's this idea of w- what does it mean to be a Martel, right? Yeah. And they've been hearing me ask them that question since they were two, you know? And if you ask them, they were here, they would say, well, it means a lot of stuff. It means that we do hard things, that we have a growth mindset, that we we give to others that have less means, that we are always kind, that we do the, you know what I mean? Like there's all these things. So, so what's fun is that in these moments of, challenges where they're acting out or they're not doing the thing or they're giving up too easily, I just say, hey, what does it mean to be a Martell? And they know and they tell me and they get right back up and I don't have to tell them what to do next. Now, is that messing with them? They're gonna grow up being all like messed up about it? Maybe, but here's the thing. I don't, I believe that every person is going to have their issues. Everybody could go see a psychologist and say, this person said this to me and I felt this way when I was younger or this, like we all have these emotional scars. It's what creates our identity. It's our belief systems It's what drives our values. Okay. I would just hope that my approach doesn't create too many or too deep of those. Although I know for sure at some point my kids or boys are going to have dad issues. Um, and if anything, I'm trying to give them the tools and be the example that when life gets hard, Get around people that support you. Don't allow people to abuse you emotionally, physically, et cetera. Um, You're 100,000% accountable for your world. Like, I'm not going to, like, I don't, and I don't care if they're entrepreneurs. I don't want them to do anything for me. I want them to do 100% what they want to do, but they own 100% of their outcomes. So, I don't know, man. That's kind of some guiding principles that I use that are 100% a byproduct of, Maybe not being exposed to that as a young man myself and going on the journey of, you know, what what are some people's ideas around family unit and parenthood, you know, and which ones resonate with me. No different than if I was trying to upgrade my diet, right? Like, yeah. are these people talking about this vegan stuff for and plant power this and, you know, Zevia base Liquids. It's got not, literally. This is like water that tastes like soda. I mean, just try it. Try it. see if it fits.
0: No, I think that's. I think that the the identity thing is huge because that is you're speaking that over them, saying this is what a Martell is, and the, and you're saying you know we have these positive attributes which are like core values. Probably is you know the the um, parallel with with the professional world. But the interesting thing is without that, their identity is shaped by just randomness in the world around them, the world. Right? Yeah. It's like, and they don't have their best interests in mind. You know what I mean? You're saying, I'm not here to be your best friend, but I have your best interest in mind. I, you know, right. I mean, you're saying I want you to be the best person you can be. And I, and then you want to live out these positive values. And, um, I think that's, that's something, the whole idea and concept of identity is so huge, even as an adult, you know, that's when you get off base. It, when you it's lose everything.
1: Your yeah. I, I coach, I coach extremely ambitious, high performing guys. One of the first things when we work through kind of they're here, they want to go there, is asking them who what kind of person would achieve those results. And once we can get clear on that, then then their their morning ritual is the mantra of I am and the thing. Mm. And that is and that's like daily, every day, because I think Way before the output and the outcome of your actions materialize out there, it has to start up in here. So if you wanna be healthy, you might wanna write down every day, I'm an athlete. And sit with that, because maybe today you're 50 pounds overweight and you're going, well I sure don't feel like I'm an athlete. Good, do something about it. Tomorrow you're gonna to write it down, and you're gonna write it down, and you're gonna write it down. That's why I really like CrossFit, right? Like CrossFit, their argument is, if you compete every day, which every workout is a competition because it's timed and measured, that technically you're you're an athlete because you competed. And that identity is probably a big part of why if you can stick with it, it has incredible impact on your life. But I know as a coach, that's the one, that's one of many tools that I use to really help my clients get results. Especially like I work typically people come to me because they have built big companies, but they know themselves they're not the best leader, right? They're a little chaotic. They're a little aggressive. They're probably a little rough around the edges. And they know that there's either one of two scenarios. They're going to have their whole team quit on them and they're going to have to replace them all or they're going to get fired by the board or whatever's going to happen. And, and I know that because, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I was kind of like that, right? And yes, you can do that to a certain level. But I mean, even Steve Jobs, who is notorious for this, got kicked out, learned a whole lot of lessons, changed his behavior. And when he came back, everybody would agree that he had changed his approach. Right. You can still be driven. You can still be ambitious. You can still be. You know, all these things, but you also need to balance that out with these other characteristics, which comes down to identity, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when I when I when I got sober, one of the mistakes a lot of people make is counting the days, right? I've been sober for X amount of days. Well, to me, that tells, you know, that's that means that you're still that person, right? And I'm I'm not mm-hmm. saying that you pretend like you're not, but like I don't drink. I didn't quit drinking. I just don't drink alcohol. So when people ask me, You don't drink I said no I don't drink like it's not a I quit I was not like it's just literally the identity of I just don't drink alcohol right no different than if I want to it's like I don't eat sugar and like it's kind of like a vegan doesn't need to have willpower to not eat meat every day yeah why because they're a vegan yeah it's the same reason why an athlete doesn't smoke because it's just not part of their identity and I think that's a really, really powerful tool that people should really spend more. And that's where the alter ego stuff that Todd talks about, um, I think, is crazy powerful around that and, and kind of like symbols, right, and totems to kind of activate that alter ego. And the cool part is you essentially leverage the alter ego to become the person who can get the result. And at some point, you don't know when, you somehow wake up and realize that that's just who you are. Hmm. So this is what's crazy. People hear my story and they can't even imagine like, Dan, you don't sound like the kind of guy that would do that stuff. And I go, well, I'm not today because here's what I know. The person you're talking with today is not going to be the same guy and the same beliefs in a year from now because my growth game is strong. I know it is because I'm not the same guy I was a year ago. And I definitely wasn't that kid at 17 years old. And that's been a long time gone, right? Yeah. I got diagnosed with severe ADHD at eight years old, right? Ritalin, 30 milligrams, soul release for years, okay? I don't think I have ADHD anymore. Why? Because I went through the process of working on it. Like, what, what? how can I self-medicate? How can I rewire my mind? What's the neuroplasticity, right? There's so much science around this. Like, that's why, to me the idea of a growth mindset against uh, fixed mindset. It's like, if you truly believe that your IQ is fixed, I feel bad for you. Cause it's just not true. It's just mm-hmm. literally not scientifically true. So you're living with a belief that is going to just hold you back. So that to me is, is the fascinating part of all of this is that identities, some people are like, well, I don't think it's authentic that you fake it. It's like, Well, it's not that you fake it, it's just you gotta wait for the external world to catch up to who you believe you are, Yeah. right? But I mean, people, I I used to be more introverted. I used to write code and stay up till two or three in the morning. I didn't like talking to people at all. Today, people would categorize me as an extreme extrovert. What happened? Well, I realized this is where I wanna go. This is where I'm at. Two failed companies, that hurt. I need to probably build a team. Means I gotta talk to people. Means I gotta learn how to communicate, need to learn how to inspire them so they stick around, need to learn all these things, want bigger goals, bigger dreams. And then one day I realize I love people. (laughs) I love talking to people. Like I don't know, I just, I don't know. Like I just, I just know that there's just so many examples. Now arguably I'm still me, I'm still Dan, I, I would just assume that I've, I've just got better thoughts. I've got better, I've upgraded the operating system in many ways and, and, and continue to do so. Cause I think it's,
0: it's cool. Like, it's kind of like, what's the next challenge? So, it, and it all, it all stems from identity. It all stems from kind of identifying where you want to go, right? That's what I'm hearing you say.
1: It all comes down to a knowing that where you're at today is not where you could be, right? Mm-hmm. So your, your, your history does not predict your future right? Your biography is not um, your your destiny. And that's exciting because I think a lot of people listen to this maybe, you know, dealing with some tough times in their business or their relationships or their, their kids are upset with them or whatever it is. And here's what I've learned. And this is like the coolest thing for me because like, you know, m- more so than most people, I, I, I kind of measure, right? And I can see like kind of the things. And I remember, and this is not to brag, Mike, it's just this, is just a fact. And I remember sitting down, it was like I was 32, 34. I was 34 years old. I'm 39 right now. So about five years ago, I was sitting down. And it occurred to me in the previous 10 years, you always hear people say that they overestimate what they can do in one year, underestimate they can do a decade. In a 10-year period at 24, okay, so I got clean at 17, two failed companies. And finally at 24, I start my third company hoping it would work. 10 years later, I'm looking back, and I became a millionaire at 27. I exited the business at 28. I invested in 30, at that point, probably 32 companies as an angel investor. Four of them are billion-dollar companies. I built two venture-backed companies and exited both of those in a 10-year window. So all I'm going to say is there's no way if somebody told me at this point at 24 I didn't, I didn't even have the capacity to dream that big. It wasn't even in my sphere. Dude, spending a week with Richard Branson in Switzerland, having Mark Cuban invest in my company. Travis Kalanick, the CEO of Uber, was my first investor in Flowtown and a personal mentor. All that in a 10 year period. So all I'm gonna say is, and this was after two failed companies, like I'm a piece of shit, I really should go get a job. You know, as long as, you know, I'm not breaking the law, but my dad's not too proud of me kind of thing, right? <laughs> And, um, I just, I just think that that's, that's the incredible world we live in. And so that, because I've seen that and, and the cool part is I've seen it in my clients, I've seen it in a lot of my friends. Um, anything's possible, literally anything. If I wanted to be the prime minister of Canada, I could be.
0: <laughs>
1: you probably don't want I just don't it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whatever, you want to be the president? I don't care. Like people, if you truly want to be and you're willing to de- dedicate your life and do the work, the hard work, right? The, so, and, and own that identity.
0: Yeah. So I mean, you, hey. you said you didn't it, you didn't um you couldn't have even dreamed that ten years, you know, when you were thirty four or twenty four. But then what was it that set you off? Did you didn't have that one a day? It was just that one percent every day. I mean what yeah.
1: It was the slight edge, it was the compound effect, it's whatever you want to call it. It was it was it was the betterment, it was the growth mindset amplified, it was a ton of what was it? Hundreds of things, right? But at the core of it was knowing that I get today I get a chance today to be better than I was yesterday. And if I do that, I grow. And the cool thing about growth is that you, it's hard to subtract it's hard to to come back, right? Once your belief system expands, right? It's hard, you can't contract, right? So there's, there's always been step functions of growth, okay? Mm-hmm. So, like, I would say some of the step functions would have been, um, you know, getting my first mentor, huge step functions, hiring my first business coach, huge step function, uh, bringing in uh, an advisor, Stu, you know, two years in the sphere, huge step function. Um, some key hires, etc. cetera. Moving to San Francisco. Boom. Can't all of a sudden now I'm surrounded by billion dollar people, not million dollar people, billion dollar people. And guess what? My first few friends was guys like Brian from Airbnb, Drew from Dropbox, Travis from Uber, uh, 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 Jeff from Twilio, you name it. The list goes on. That was my cohort of friends in 2008 in San Francisco. So not only did I see them start to do it, I also got to meet some other guys that had done it, right? And it's just like once your mind expands to the possibility and you get exposed to it, then it helps you kind of keep growing. And it it comes down to that identity. I grew up in, I I live in a small town in Eastern Canada, 100,000 people in the middle of butt fuck nowhere. It's like, it's truly, it's just nowhere. Nobody, people are like, why you live there? Why? Because of family. My two brothers, my whole family lives here and I wanted, I didn't, when I, after I I was building Clarity and Renee got pregnant right at the beginning and I just knew that if I fast forward 20 years and I look back and I, we raised our family in San Francisco, um, I don't know if I would have been happy with the way my life looked like at that point, right? Meaning that, yeah, I had business success but I didn't get to hang around with my brothers and my nieces and nephews and have my kids grow up around their kids and that's just not what I wanted. So I said, hey, let's, let's move back and I'll spend a little bit more time on a plane and I'll try to figure out how to be more efficient and I'll hire great people that are willing to travel and all this stuff. And I'll I'll, I'll lift a little heavier to make it work and that was just the decision I made. So all that being said is that like your belief system is 100% around your environment. But once you expand that, like I can be in Moncton and still work on billion dollar ideas, Mm -hmm. no problem. Do it every day. Yeah. Funny, because it's weird, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, tell you a little secret <laughs> i i now have come to realize that everybody out there in this town think i'm weird yeah because i'm intense because i don't talk about bullshit stuff i don't want to talk about the weather and i don't want to talk about news and i want to talk about other people i want to talk about their ideas and their passions and if you don't want to talk to me about that totally fine i got shit to do yeah Right. Because I'd rather be talking to my clients that I coach, talking to CEOs that I'm an investor in, hanging out with my family, because I love them and they love me. And I realize that a lot of them are uncomfortable with me because they know that my expectations of myself are way high. And I'm I feel like sometimes they're probably scared I'm gonna call them out on it. But here's the thing is there's no judgment, zero judgment. I, I a long time ago let go of any judgment for somebody else that wasn't more successful or as successful as me because I realized I was them in my past life and I totally can connect to where they're at and I just hope that somehow they connect the dots the way I did or and have people come into their life the way it came into my life that 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 supported that yeah. and if not. I don't, and I never, this is the thing. I I really get upset when people are like, oh, they'll never change. I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. Yeah. Right. People said that about my mom. She'll never change. She'll always be that way. Don't agree. I'll be there. I'll be there like this, hand open support for the rest of my life until she takes her last breath because not going to, not going to give up. And I just think that that's how you can be both ambitious and, empathetic and and still and still live where you want to live and still have big huge hum, you
0: know humongous dreams
1: you know yeah. be okay with that.
0: Well I think that's that's probably a good place to end it man. <laughs> I think uh, I want to be sensitive of our time but um no I thank thank you so much Dan I really appreciate it. Thanks for for bringing a ton of value and um I think I think there's it's just jam packed full of stuff and I I really think this is going to be um, Really good for a lot of people to hear so it was for me. So if nothing else is good for me <laughs> I
1: Appreciate it, man, you put out some incredible content. Uh, I just want to acknowledge you for that. I think that uh, a lot of people have the ideas of you know shining the light on certain topics and, and they don't pull the trigger and you've clearly have and I think uh, what you've created is a real gift for other fathers that are looking to be more intentional so. Uh, thanks for doing that and keep it out, man.
0: Yeah, thank you. So DanMartel.com. we'll link it all up in the show notes. Um, thanks, Dan. You can find out more about us and sign up to receive updates at twocentdad.com. If you liked what you heard or just want to say hi, you can shoot me an email at mike at twocentdad.com. Please leave a review on iTunes if you like the show. It helps us to get the word out to the most people possible. The show is made possible through the support of EC Group International, building software teams since 1999.